Christian did is he used social media posts as a way of generating art from his digital entity, his identity, which is brilliant. And the only person I can think of that ever came close to doing something like that was my friend Josh Chambers, who many of you might know, I'm not sure, passed this last winter, I think in February. And the reason I think he came to mind is one, just how he used social media to have these insanely complex streams of conscious, diaristic flow of insane content mostly on Facebook and it just felt really weird and different and personal and I don't know intensely intimate basically and I think that's probably what he was trying to do and second I'm going to be honest uh, Josh has kind of been in my head a lot recently because a week ago I went to a memorial for him. Finally, like with COVID somewhat under control and it was anxiety producing because we didn't know what to expect. I went with my brother. He knew Josh as well. But also his passing, I think, to the both of us felt very surreal and monumental as one of these figures of your childhood that spilled into adulthood, that spilled into kind of just everything, not everything, but, you know, just there. And at the memorial, a lot of people spoke. A lot of people from his theater company that he formed, from his friends at Skidmore, his family, some other close friends. 
And the mic was open to anyone who wanted to speak. But in that situation, I didn't know what to say or even I didn't feel like repeating what everyone else was saying. You know, that Josh was great. He was inspiring. He was brilliant. And that he'll be missed. And the fact was Josh was all of those things. And he will be missed. But as a close friend, he was very complicated. And for a long time, I really disliked him. And the reason was, again, complex. Josh and I, in a very short time, formed a tight bond. In a lot of ways, that bond felt like like a brotherhood, like we were in something together. I think probably because he asked me to be in his band in high school, and I was like way out of my league. I was playing with two people, Josh and Dave. Dave played drums, Josh played guitar and sang, and I played bass. And I could barely play. I was, you know, but, you know, honestly, after a year, I was like pretty good. Um, Because I always felt like, I've always felt like if you're playing music with people that are better than you, you're going to like quickly figure it out. And I kind of started to do that. And it was great. And we spent a ton of time together, like that year and a half. And uh, like most importantly, aside from that, it's like we created something else. We created this group. We created the Denmark Boys Outing Club. And I think that group, and I'll explain what it was in a second, but that group was was not represented at the memorial and that was i mean we were we were there like the members of the denmark boys were there but but no one said anything and i felt like that 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 magic that we had as kids was 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 forgotten and i I think that's why I'm talking about it now because, because I don't want it to be forgotten. And well, what were the Denmark boys? Um, They were people who boys and girls could be in Denmark, but people who enjoyed like I, as I call it a jazz cigarette and you know, tons of coffee and going. The most important thing was you, you know, you had to enjoy live music in that year and a half. We spent so much time in clubs and like 
Cafe Lena and going to the QE2 and Bogies and Valentine, like all those places we were just constantly at, like just listening to anything, anything that was like open and live. So that was a big part of it to have that adventure. And it was incredible. It was a lot of fun. And Josh was the ringleader. Um, he was the king of Denmark. And that's what was so important to all of us who were part of that secret society, that secret group. And it was kind of like, it was like a weird mini bohemian lifestyle we were promoting. And we kind of all figured out that, uh, you know, you could say fuck it and have, have fun instead of not having fun. But what happened? Like what happened? Why did I, I don't want to say hate, but why did I, I, I fall out? Why did we fall out? It started with, and it seems juvenile thinking about it now, but it, it wasn't at the time. Um, all I knew is that all of a sudden I was not in the band and I was not playing bass anymore. And they were booking shows without me. And I get it. I like I wasn't the best. But we were friends. And that that hurt me a lot. And after that, it was, you know, anything else, you know, not anything else, but you know, he, he, he grew to this monstrous ego that was hard to be around. And I, I think he felt like he was on a trajectory that was somehow different. And you either had to like kind of put up with that or that was it. And it was kind of fucked up. <laughs> but, you know, we came around many, many years later. I would say 20 years later. Um, and the funny thing is, is, is from that memorial, when I talked to a lot of people there, they had the same story. It was close, close is close. Um, and then what the fuck? But, you know. We were good in the end, and it was never that time in Denmark, but we were good, and I 
still love them. And I would say safe travels, my friend. Safe travels. that will mention that but you know so um uh first off christian um thanks for having me oh thanks for coming yes yeah yeah um so um i i was curious i think what got me interested was the title of your your new book uh rants for social media i thought that was kind of interesting to, to think about because that's what a lot of people do but uh, you as a, a poet coming at it is uh, further interest me. So, um, you know, while we're here today, I, I'd like to, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we could start off thinking about or you could tell us, you know, a little bit about where you come from, you know, how you got to uh, Rants for Social Media and like a little bit about your background. Um, I'm, I'm curious to, to hear about like, how you came into this as a writer uh, in general and like kind of where, you know, where that, uh, where, how that path happened, you know, it's kind of interesting to me. All right, cool. Okay. Well, let me start with the bio. Um, I'm originally from New York city, uh, lived all over the city, but mostly uh, grew up in Queens and uh, went to a pretty good high school. I thought, at the time, and then eventually, uh, you know, went on to college at FIT, and and all. It's and uh, mostly my dream back then was to be a painter, uh, but eventually I had to let go of that dream by my twenties. But I was still writing. I was writing since I was a teenager, and I say I have a habit of saving everything. Mm. I have scraps of paper from you know class in high school. Uh, but, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, various, I always had an interest in both the arts and literature and there were kind of, uh, 
twin interests at the same time. Uh, but as, uh, towards the end of the 90s, uh, I had worked in advertising at the time, and I just, advertising kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, I mean, it was a great opportunity uh, to start from retail and end up in advertising. But I wanted something more, you know, with my life. So I switched gears in the mid to late 90s and decided to further my education, went back to college as a, in my late 20s, which was a little difficult because you're with, you know, 19-year-olds from right. and yeah. FIT, there's students from all over the world. So, like, I had mm -hmm. Japanese students, you know, Russian students, students all over the place. I'm used to that. But... Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, pursued my education and then at a certain point decided to move upstate. You know, I was kind of done with the city after the events of September 11th, hmm. 2001. Uh, and I had to moved upstate and started over. And before I moved upstate, I had published my first book, Epigrams. Uh, which took way longer than it should have. And I made your first book, you make all these mistakes. You know, you mm -hmm. learn all these publishing uh, shortcuts by making mistakes. So that first book took way too long. But eventually it got uh, accepted into printed, the Printed Matter bookstore, which sure. was in Soho at the time. Yeah. Uh, but then eventually they moved to West Chelsea. Um, it's still on their website, so that's I'm pretty satisfied with that. But uh, so Epigrams was a major labor of love, and it did come out, and I was satisfied with that. And then when I moved upstate in 2004, I started over. I was in rural Ulster County, Kerhonkson, New York, if anybody knows where that is. And I just kind of had a year to myself where I was helping my friend with his business. He took me in, uh, picked me up from the city, and I started over at the age of 34. And I decided to uh, look at you know where I came from as a young person, as a teenager, and I had all this poetry that I wrote in the 80s as a teenager. And uh, it's not what you would expect from a 16, 17 year old to be writing about, because I'm really writing about stuff that happened, um, stuff that I witnessed, some stuff that I participated in New York City, as well as the events, important events uh, in the arts, like Andy Warhol's death and uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat's death. Uh, so it's a, it, it's a microcosm and a macrocosm of what was happening at the 80s that was affecting me and what was happening in my life as a teenager and sort of trying to figure out my where I was going to go in life, you know. Were, were those people that you looked up to? Yeah, my three heroes in the 80s at the time uh, were Andy Warhol, uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat, and Robert Mapplethorpe. Mm -hmm. And one by one, you know, eventually, you know, I was, they were my heroes when they were all alive, but by the mid-80s, they were all gone. So... Um, like, what, what about them, like, kind of drew you? Well, uh, you know, each one has their own artistry, uh, and 
I mean, Andy for laying the foundation, for laying, making it all happen, uh, and in, empowering others to 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 you know follow mm-hmm. where he led, and Jean Michel for mostly uh, you know similar culture. He's sort of Haitian, Puerto Rican. I'm Cuban, Dominican, and he just really went for it. Very young. Mm-hmm. Lived very bohemian lifestyle in the East Village, and just rose to such success. And it was just, uh, it was ama- just on the strength of his talent, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was an amazing painter. And he was really back in the day, he was the talk of the town. I mean, he was really uh, important. That was not an insignificant uh, achievement back then. Right. Yeah. And Robert, for his audacity to just really be totally frank uh, about his sexual interests and documenting what was happening in the 80s at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, you know, it, it, it might not even register these days because we've been through so much in the last few decades, especially the last four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Trump administration. But there was Jesse Helms, and they were attacking the NEA, and things like Richard Serra's Tilted Arc sculpture that was in Federal Plaza in downtown New York got dismantled because somebody, some bean counter didn't like it, mm-hmm. and so they took his... I, they, I think they destroyed it, but I think I know it was removed. Right, yeah. And that was got in the New York Times, it got in the papers... And then, you know, you have Mapplethorpe's scandals. I think it was the Walker Arts Center that got, you know, it, all, these, all these New York City artists were just expressing themselves and getting in a lot of trouble with the government. And they, you know, they pulled the funding. So it was just, uh, that was a, a big deal back then, you know, the mm-hmm. whole censorship. Right, right. You know, so that drew me in. And I was a lot more, I try to, in my old age, I'm trying to be less getting on my soapbox and expressing political views and trying to see the bigger picture and be more mindful. But in the 80s, I was a lot more reactionary. And anything with the arts, suppressing the arts, I was just pissed the fuck off. And, and, you know, it, it resonated with me. So, you know, I think Robert had a lot of issues with censorship and right. uh, at the time. But, you know, we're looking back, you know, they're all superstars. They're all well-regarded, even Andy, who was not mm. well-regarded back then. Um, so, but to get back to the, uh, the books, okay... So all of that was swimming around mm-hmm. in my head in, sure. in uh, 2004. And it was really about honoring my inner child, the person that I was. Mm-hmm. And I went through this devastating, traumatic experience with 9-11 and having to leave the city, which was a big deal. Leaving. Mm-hmm. I'm a New Yorker. I'm sure. from New York. So it was, it's a big deal to leave New York. Uh so in a way of honoring my child, I wrote, I know what you did in the 80s, and I tried to retain the original voice as much as possible. I cleaned it up very little. And then that 
came out, I think, uh, 2005, and I had an event in Kingston. By then, I had moved to Kingston, and I had my own place, uh, and just pers- pursued my, you know, artistic uh, interests. Do you, do you think you were, you were honoring it or in some way, like, trying to examine it further? Both, both. It was, it, it was, I was 30, uh, how old was I? 34. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got that perspective looking back. And at the time, I, it was a year in, in rural Ulster County before I moved to Kingston and got my own place. So I was like, I had, you know, I had no responsibilities. My responsibilities was run the dishwasher. You right. know? So I was like, take care of the house, run the dishwasher. So after just all that trauma, it was nice to have a year in the country mm-hmm. with, you know. So that project came out of that environment and those experiences. And then once I moved to Kingston, the 80s book was very personal, very painful. I wanted to do something creative, intellectual, artistic, more sort of like art installation based. Mm -hmm. So then I moved on to Concepts and Titles, which is a a dual-sided book. It actually has... uh, I was inspired by... uh, In in England, they have a... They release a single and has a double A-side. So there is no B-side. They're both uh, radio singles. Yeah, yeah. So it's called a double A-side. So that inspired Concepts and Titles because it has two front pages and also the books, you get to the end of the first chapter and then you flip the book upside down and then you go to the second chapter. So, um, and then the first chapter is in my own handwriting concepts and the second chapter titles is in the font American Typewriter. So I wanted this contrast between, you know, the artist's hand and like a, a, a machine generated machine. Yeah. thing. Yeah. So I want to take a second, like, because I'm curious about, like, you, you say you give up painting, and I want to. I'm curious why you, what happened there, but how long from there to your <coughs> your first work, like, when do you decide, like, I'm a I'm a poet or I'm I'm a writer? Oh my God! Is that's, there a, that's such a journey. That's that's <laughs> tough. Is there a, like... When, I think the short answer is when you realize you can't do anything else. Uh-huh. You know, and then... Uh, and you grow into it. You grow into it. It's not something you assign yourself. It's kind of... It, there's a metamorphosis to it. It's like, you know, turning into a butterfly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 you know, it's... It's. I was in the class in the new school in, in, in kind of a cool poetry class. It was called Language of Music. And every week, we, every, we, everybody brought in a different piece of music that touched them, and we would free write, you know. Uh, and I wasn't, first of all, I wasn't used to writing poetry with other people in the room. Mm-hmm. And I was the first, the end of the first class, I told the teacher, I'm out of here. I can't do this. But I stayed for the whole class, and I learned a lot. And uh, but uh, yeah, it's just it's you kind of you grow into it being a poet. Like I in the book, I say you know uh, one of one of the rants is you're quite mistaken to think uh, 
being a writer is something to do, it's something to be. Mm -hmm. So I definitely subscribe to that. And just from the evolution, the evolution that you read in the book, the 10 years of my life in the book, you, you can trace the evolution of, of me as a writer. But just overall, an entire lifetime, just sort of making, you know, making mistakes, trying things out, finding out what works for you, what doesn't work for you, uh, figuring out how you're going to express yourself uh, in, you know, a world that, you know, likes to shut closed doors on you, you know, uh, and still getting it done anyway, still doing your show anyway, still right, right. putting your book out anyway. So, you well, know? like, because you were, you were expressing yourself in, in, in one way, like, which, like, so to say, like, I'm going to be a painter is, is a bold statement, right? And then you, you stop that and you pivot towards poetry, which is possibly even a bolder statement, you know, like in this society we inhabit now. So, um, well, what made you stop painting? Well, uh, several things, several things. I mean, it was, it was my childhood dream mm -hmm. to be a painter. I mean, I saw it as Mine my... Mine too. Yeah. Well, you are a painter. You're an <laughs> well, artist. I'm an artist, but yeah. yeah. Uh, it was, you know, I mean, I was two years old making sculptures out of aluminum foil in the kitchen. Like, mm -hmm. it was like a big deal. And I think that's probably why I was so drawn to Jean-Michel, because I was like, hey, he did it. If right. he did it, I can do it. Yeah. You know, um, but lo the, the short version of the story is I would start a series... I would get into it, and then I would walk into a gallery in Soho, and I'd see somebody else did it. Ah, And that happened to me so many times. And then the other side of the coin is I was kind of blocked. I kind of just couldn't. I, I started drawing these stones, mm -hmm. and it was kind of exciting in the beginning. And I did them on post-it notes. And it was just sort of very quick. Looking back, I, what I should have done is taken the post-it notes and then scanned them in the computer and then manipulated them and then yeah. made them, you know, 100 by 100 inches. Yeah, yeah. But at the time, I was, I was working. I right. wasn't devoted 100% to the arts like I am This now. is while you were in advertising. Uh, yeah, yeah, mostly when I was in advertising, you know, okay. which everybody in advertising... Wants to work on their novel, but they're right. doing a fucking antacid ad. Yeah. They're writing the copy for Tagament or whatever, you know. I don't think Tagament is ex exists anymore. But, uh, yeah, so it's just everybody is pining away in advertising, wishing they could just be an artist. But they, the money is just too good, and it's just, you know, everybody's got that dilemma in advertising, and I had the same problem. Mm -hmm. But uh, to get back to... Uh, the stones on the correct notes. okay yeah, the yeah. painter why why poet why not painter so I just got stuck on this series and I could not progress I couldn't think of you know and then every time I went to paint it was always the stones and I just lost the passion for it mm -hmm. and 
And I didn't consciously pivot to being a poet. I just saved everything mm-hmm. and and was like, well, really more for the 80s book. That was really going back into the archive and seeing, hey, this is kind of an okay poem. But epic. The end of the first book, Epigrams, which is about the end of the millennium, there was a force pushing me at the end of the 90s to put this book out. And it was originally going to be a calendar. It was actually originally titled 101 Things to Dispel Before a Century's End. Mm. And it was based on a backwards calendar. It, uh, January 1st was actually... 365 and December 31st was actually 0001. Mm-hmm. And I went through this whole thing and designed this date book and this calendar. And every other day there would be an epigram written in the date book. Yeah. So that's why it took too long because I was overthinking it and over designing it. Yeah, yeah. And then I missed my deadline. I wanted it to come out in 2000 and I missed the deadline. And, and I was kind of crestfallen and my friend Tom Culkin at the time who is a painter encouraged me to finish the project and I got back on the horse and renamed it Epigrams stripped it down and made it and walked away from the backwards calendar the time uh, what is it called not time clock countdown Countdown. it was like a countdown and then I decided to make it a, a contrast between new technology and old technology. So I decided to use a typewriter font, a grungy typewriter font, and and use elements of a computer. Mm-hmm. So it was a contrast between old tech and new tech. Mm-hmm. And that reignited a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. So then I finished the project. Okay. But uh, yeah, the painter, it was not really a conscious choice. It was just, I felt like I had missed, I subscribed to the concept that there are windows of opportunity in life. And I think that when you're young and you're in school and they tell you you can do anything and be president, and it's like, no, you don't have a lot of time <laughs> and you got to get things done right, right. before, you know, you're old and fat and nobody gives a shit about you anymore, you know what I'm saying? Which is reality. Yeah. But they're not going to tell that to kids in school. Sure. Yeah. But... You know, the thing is, you know, there's just, there's, there's, I got to a point in my 20s, mid 20s, where I had to hang it up. Mm-hmm. I just hang it up and I was like, I can't do this anymore. The world is moving on without me. And by then, by the mid 90s, the whole art world has, had changed. Yeah. So Basquiat squeaked in, you know, Basquiat is walking into, you know, Mr. Chow's and throwing postcards on the mm-hmm. table with Andy and Henry. Uh, and that's how that whole thing started. You know what right. I'm saying? Those days are over. You know, <laughs> he had his moment and that was it. You know, mm-hmm. not that I would have gone that path, but everything changed in the 90s. The whole yeah. culture changed. Uh, so I was just like, eh. you know, uh, the other thing I subscribe to is when I don't know what to do. I do nothing. When I don't know what to decide, I don't make a decision. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole SpongeBob SquarePants episode oh, yeah? about that, <laughs> where they're in the jungle and they got like a, a they have a conch cell and they pull the string. 
and it tells him what to do, and it always says nothing, you know? <laughs> and it's hysterical. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I it's it, it saves you a lot of trouble. I think that we're we have a lot of pressure to decide things, mm-hmm. and that's a good way to make a bad decision. And I made a lot of bad decisions as a young person in my twenties with that pressure mm-hmm. to just pick something, you know. Right. So, so the last book after Concepts, oh, which eventually became an exhibition in Kingston. Uh, I shopped it around and found a gallery finally. Um, that I think I explained the duality of the, of the book. After Concepts, I wanted to do more of a traditional poetry, less experimental. And I had more poems laying around, uh, and that eventually became Red Poems, and they're they're ba- based on the theme of love, sex, and hate. And I had actually we had like a talent day at the ad agency, and every and everybody put their talent on the conference table. And we had like a party, and whatever. So my talent was poetry. So you know I created these booklets that hung on the wall, and it was you know maybe like four or five poems in each section, but it was love, sex, hate, and I did a nice graphic design job, you know, kind of like art school, art installation thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I still had those, you know, from that agency. So I decided to expand, you know, the four or five poems and turn it into a book. And then I didn't know what to call the book, but then I was like, well, love, sex, hate, they're all passionate, they're all intense, and they're all red. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like they've got like the the nature of the color red, right? So that became red poems, and most the three chapters were pretty much mostly written. I added additional poems, but the postscript, the closing poem, was kind of freestyle. I had the concept in my head, but I was and I had some of it written, uh, but I was kind of typing it on the computer, which I never do. Like, I have a whole writing process. But I was freestyling most of that, and I literally went on Wikipedia and printed every listing for every shade of red. And the mm. the meaning behind every shade... Like, there's a shade of red called Wine Dregs, mm-hmm. which is like a deep burgundy. Uh, it, obviously, there's like Fire Engine Red, there's Persimmon, there's, you know... Mm. So I was riffing, and I still have all the printouts, but I was riffing on that. I wanted to know everything about the color red, every association, every meaning. And all of that research I poured into the closing poem of Red Poem. And it's, like, really bombastic, and it's, you know, really, it, it really, it's apocalyptic and bombastic, and mm-hmm. uh, it's what I wanted to close the poem. So yeah. the Red Poems was later, and then Love, Sex, Hate is sort of uh, older poems. Mm-hmm. So those are the four projects before this project. So uh, what's uh, you mentioned brief? I mean, what's your what's your process like? Well, I uh, I have an archive. Like I said, I save everything. I have mm-hmm. an archive of stuff that I work from. Um, I do write new stuff. Uh, now and then, uh, mostly for performance, like if I get inspired. Uh, I wrote this long poem after I went cross-country to Arizona on Greyhound. Uh, 
mm-hmm. which two and a half days of torture, I'll never do that again. Sure. Yeah. Now I do Amtrak. I don't. I refuse to fly. I don't fly. But uh, it was. I wanted to capture this like uh, going, going like you know, like we just left Tennessee. We just left mm-hmm. a pilot. We just so the whole. I have to find it. Actually, I'm kind of looking for it. It's here somewhere. But it was just like the last pilot, the last, uh, the last Waffle House, the last this, the last this, and then it close. It's like a three-page poem, and then it closes with the last, you know, rattlesnake. After you see the last this, you have just left the West, mm-hmm. and it's like everything that you see when you go out west. You know, right, it was right. an observational poem. Uh-huh. So that kind of that's newer stuff. So. And that's mostly for performing live, which I miss performing live but you're, very much. So is your process like to to read through like old journals or Yeah, it's a it's some of it is old journals, some of it is 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 new and old. But basically the process is I start by hand writing things down. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it I throw in a drawer, I save it, I look at it a year or two years later and then I turn it into something or 10 years later. And then it transitions from scraps of paper by hand into, then I work on the typewriter. I do a typewriter draft and I save every version of the poem. So like Mm -hmm. sometimes I have stacks of like, you know, 25 pieces of paper. The revisions? Yeah, the revisions. And I'll add research. Like I'll add printout stuff and I'll put research. I staple everything. Uh, and then at a certain point, it goes. It starts out by hand, ends up on the typewriter, and then from the typewriter, it ends up on the computer, and then I'm in Adobe InDesign, and then I am designing a book. Hmm. So, I mean, I wear many hats. I don't have any staff or interns, so I literally have to do everything myself. So I found it easier to not even do the graphic design until those stages are done. Right. Uh, because then you, there's an evolution of what you're trying to say in the mm-hmm. poem. You know? What's, the, what's the, the significance of the typewriter? Oh, my God. Well, it's very significant. I was into it before everybody else was into it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, in the, when did I move to Jersey City? Oh, when I started in advertising. And you lived in Jersey City? Yeah, for I quite a while. I there, too. Yeah. yeah uh, I lived near Jer- Journal Square the second time I moved to Jersey City. And the first time I was near, what was it, Grove Street? The Grove Street? Mm-hmm. The way that Puerto Rican restaurant was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was near Newark. Newark Avenue and okay. like JFK. I had a yeah, cute yeah. little railroad mm. apartment. And me too. I had a great party there. Amazing <laughs> yeah. Before cell phones, where yeah. people actually had to interact with each other. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, so I went to, there's this huge Salvation Army in Jersey City. Do you remember it? I, I was it probably was there once, maybe. Huge. Yeah. It was ginormous. It was a big warehouse. And that's where I bought, where is it? It's right here somewhere. I bought two Smith Corona Electra's typewriters from the 60s, blue and silver, uh, and an Electra 110, and I think an Electra 220 or 200, and one's smaller, one's bigger, but it's the same model. And I got them both for $5. Now they're, you can buy them online for like, you know, 100 bucks or something, oh, but no I kidding. got them each. Okay. And they, the best part is that they both work. Mm-hmm. 
And in Jersey City, between Jersey City and Kingston, I was able to find typewriter repair people, maintenance mm-hmm. people. So I've got them serviced over the years, you know. But something about flipping that switch and hearing those gears. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a video on my Facebook Hispanic Paradox press page where it's me flipping the switch on the Electra and you hear the hum. Mm-hmm. And the title of the video is called The Sound of Inspiration. Okay. And that's how I feel. Like there's something, when I got those typewriters, I was like, there's just something about that engine humming. It's like the analog. Yeah, like total analog, like mm-hmm. total analog. Like, I've I have been given like digital brother, like advanced state of the art <laughs> typewriters. Yeah, and I just threw them away. Like yeah. something about the, and then people try to say, uh, like that underworld. I think that was a gift that under not underworld underwood. Mm-hmm. I either bought that or that was a gift, and I think that functions. The Olivetti there functions over there. Mm. Uh, I won't buy a typewriter unless it, it functions. Right. It's, it's yeah. not a decorative object. It's a tool. So, uh, but yeah, people just give me typewriters, and uh, I, I won't accept them unless I can type on it. Uh-huh. So. Okay. But yeah, that's, that's, it just, that started in Jersey City when I got those typewriters. And I've had mm. more typewriters. Some of them have broken, and I've had to throw them away. But I still have the two original typewriters I got for five bucks in right. Salvation Army in Jersey, and uh, which which uh, I'm not taking any credit for it. But my uh, during Madonna's Madame X tour, she would, her persona, her secret spy agent persona, was a writer as well. Okay, and she was putting out promotional videos, and she would use certain typewriters. But my typewriter, which I have probably have no influence at all, <laughs> my Electra Smith Corona Electra is in her God Control video. Oh, interesting. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's fucking great, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that typewriter is in several of my YouTube videos. So. Okay. Huh. But I claim, no, I'm not claiming any uh You're not saying influence. Madonna. No, 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 no influence at all. Got on you. Okay. So, so well, it's all fascinating. So... So take us to to rants for social media, which which I'm curious about. Um, but what's different about this? The 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 uh, scale and the scope. It's it's a 390 page monster, as you can see. Mm-hmm. Where it's right out over here. Uh, well, maybe we'll do. There you go. <laughs> it's a monster, but. Uh, at a certain point, uh, let me see, maybe 2018, 2019, I had a, a, a messenger group of artists and poets that were associated with Recto Verso editions and just sort of giving them updates like we're doing this, I'm working on this, I'm trying to get mm-hmm. a gallery space, we're publishing this person, I'm working on this project. It was like an internal thing, you know, so mm-hmm. we could share information. And um, I posted something and sort of pop culture-y and somebody commented, oh, you know, why don't you just post uh, just post stuff about creativity and, and, and artistry and, you know, stop posting these pop culture things, you know. Okay. So 
you know, I'm open to suggestion. You know, I was a little annoyed, uh-huh. but I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to say who said that to me. But, but was it like a challenge? I mean, is that, or it is was, that how you it saw it? It was more like they were a little annoyed that I was sharing something. Okay. Where, which I thought they would be interested in it, but mm-hmm. they weren't interested. So long story short, then I, then I started, I took, a, I took the challenge, you know. Mm-hmm. I took up the challenge, and then I expressly started talking about creativity. And the, remember we were talking about being a painter to a writer? Sure. So uh, the evolution of that, I drew from all my experiences, my mistakes, my failed projects, and my successful projects. And then I just started riffing on that. And then I'd say after a couple of months of that, a light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, hey, this is like, this could be a book. Like I could just, and then, you know, uh, I realized that I could download, well, you know, Facebook says uh, free and all, they took that down off the whole homepage, but it said free and always will be. Okay. But it does say that your data is your data. I'm not this sure if they say it's your property, but I mean they are monetizing everybody on Facebook, every aspect, and selling information. Um, but I, the data is still my data. Mm-hmm. I mean it, it's in their servers forever, but I can choose to delete what I post, and I can choose to deactivate or delete my profile, and you know they're going to hold on to everything, but it's not going to be active. So you do have the option to download all everything off of Facebook and everything off of Instagram and everything off of Twitter. So I did that. I downloaded everything and it was just a mountain. I mean, that's that's not even that's a frag what the book is a fraction of the data that I downloaded. I had mm-hmm. to select everything. So when I realized I had all the material written, it wasn't like I had to write new material. It was all written. I just had to collect it, you know? Mm-hmm. So then I started collecting it, and then I realized I was, I've been working on this for like two years when I had the idea, and uh, I'm really staring at it now on the, on the table there. I'm relieved, mm-hmm. but I have been in a state of distress for two years, wondering when I was ever going to get to this point, holding the book in my hands. And there was like a, there was a, narrative timeline when I was selecting everything right I was like well that doesn't work in the time I mean I like this post I like this angry rant Mm -hmm. but it doesn't fit with the previous one or the next one so I was I wanted to create this narrative this story this through line so you stayed true to the to the chronology of the the The, data oh yeah the time stamps are 100% accurate uh, and not only the the timeline, but also the the typos. You know, on social media, you're like quickly right, right, right yeah. things. Some of it is before I had a smartphone. Like I would go to the library and just do it on the desktop, mm-hmm. and then eventually I got a smartphone. And it was like a whole another experience. You know, I could just riff off the fly. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm on the bus. I get. I say I want to say something. I'm like boom, boom, boom. It's on Facebook, you know. Yeah. As far as having to wait for the library to open and go through 200 notifications, right, right, right. Because yeah. you know, you know, it was. It, you, I would not be able to check my Facebook until Monday, 
So you have two days, the whole weekend notifications, and they just pile up, you know. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so uh, I realized I had a project. I, I executed my idea, did the work, and that's just kind of, it was a lot of work. And my first concern was, oh, I'm kind of writing sort of interesting stuff now, but... Ten years ago, was I writing anything interesting? And then I realized that oh, it was kind of I was you know still writing kind of relevant stuff. I mean, it, it started the books starts out more pop culturey, and then it transitions to more like literary. It becomes more literary, uh, more poetic, and more personal. Mm-hmm. And I threw everything in there. Like it's really brutally honest. Like I don't mm-hmm. hold back. Um, what I'm telling people, it's like there's plenty of things to piss people off in this book. So, uh, and, and, and politically, it's, it's, it's kind of all over the place uh, because it's just uh, you know, multiplicity is my default setting. And I'm open to a lot of different angles uh, on things. So I don't want to be pigeonholed. Uh, about things creatively or politically. So uh, there's plenty of things that are going to be taken out of context with this project. So you're saying so. in a way there, there could be there could be contradictions. Like we might read... Oh, there's many contradictions. Something yeah. from this year and then, you know, oh, next yeah. year... Yeah, it's 10 years. Christian's I mean, got a different idea. Well, what was your opinion on something 10 years ago? It hasn't it's probably, changed. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just you have the wisdom now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Hindsight. there, there yeah. is an authentic self in the entire 10 years. Mm-hmm. So some things are immovable. But, uh, you know... I'd say at the beginning of the campaign, I felt a certain way about Biden. Mm -hmm. And I'd say by election day, I felt a different way about Biden. Sure. I mean, it wasn't like a huge uh, pendulum swift, but, you know, maybe I wasn't that crazy about him. And then maybe I'm like, okay, he's all right. Yeah. You know, Uh, I mean, there are certain people that I despise uh, no matter what. And we're not Mm going to name names. I have certain political people sure but uh yeah it's just uh it's an evolution and i wanted to honestly portray that i was not concerned about not looking good or or my ego or you know i mean there were if anything if i held back on anything it was social media has a way of really letting you be nasty mm-hmm. like like you know when you got a bug up your ass or something is bothering you like you could just un un you know unload there were a few posts that i was like i guess not not getting in there mm-hmm. you know that's really gonna piss people off so uh those i left out you know but yeah i wanted to be as honest as possible i really wanted to show for for me, people like to put me in categories that I don't belong, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm difficult to classify. Uh, so this is my way of actually telling people who Christian Ortega is and to, you know, answer mm-hmm. these questions, you know, because it's just people don't know what who who or what I am. They think I'm this. They think I'm that. 
And my policy is, you know, I'm an artist. I'm here for everybody. You Mm -hmm. know, I'm, you know, whatever. If you want to think I'm this, that's fine. If you want to think I'm that, that's fine. It's like my job as an artist is to is to to communicate, connect mm-hmm. with everybody. Yeah, so. I, I'm curious about this idea of a portrait, but I, I want to go back to that to that one idea you, you just had about leaving something out. Um, because isn't it already out there? Like it was on whatever platform it's, it was on. But how does it feel different being in this kind of curated selection? Okay, good question. Good question. Yeah. Uh, technically, it is out there on yeah. the internet for eternity. You someone off. Right? Yeah, it yeah. is out there, but I have changed my privacy settings, <laughs> okay, big time, okay, and I have l- deleted my profiles from several oh, okay. platforms. Interesting. I'm okay. not on Instagram anymore. I'm not on other things that I don't want people to know that I was on. And right now, I'm just on Facebook. I am on Twitter, but I'm not promoting it. It's not mm-hmm. on my website. But uh, I, I'm expecting a backlash at some point. I've already gotten some weird spam texts and some weird emails. Okay. But I think once it's really out there, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I said, you know, I just want to maintain yeah. my privacy. So, so what you're saying, in a way, this, the, what's in the book, there, there's not, there might not be an option to, to see it otherwise. Right, like so. Oh yeah, you can, you can, you can't. Uh, it's all locked up. It's okay. all, it's all private. It's all a lot of my Facebook social media stuff, either doesn't exist anymore or it's private and you can't access. Okay. it. Okay, well, that's interesting. So, uh, and yeah. I intentionally uh, made that decision. Yeah, yeah, for the so, book. Yeah, yeah, because it's just you can't. I'm thinking of leaving social media altogether. Like if uh-huh. it gets too hairy. Yeah. I'm just going to delete everything. Okay. Because the thing is, I've been in this world for over two years, Mm -hmm. and it's not that I'm sick of it, but it's just like, okay, you know, I really... Maybe for you, the experiment uh, is over. Yeah, correct. Like, I gave... Part of this project is giving myself to social media. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, it's fucking weird, and it's probably evil, but I'm going to take the ride. <laughs> dive in. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to dive in and take the ride. And, like, I did that for so many years that it's like, okay, I don't want to focus so much on social. Like, I don't want to be like, oh, I got to post this. It's almost 5 o'clock. People are getting out of work. I got to right. post this because I'm going to get all these hits. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm done with that. Like, yeah. I don't want to, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? I need to pull back the throttle mm-hmm. on that world. You know? Yeah, what, what so. is that? Like the uh, endorphins? Like of, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it getting is, the yeah, likes. you're getting a dopamine yeah. hit yeah, every dopamine. time you get a like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, the title Rants for Social Media has a, a somewhat, like, negative connotation, just with the idea of rants, right? Um, I'm, I'm going to guess that was wholeheartedly intentional. But, like, what... Like, what... Uh, should that, should that kind of infer how we interpret the poems or the, the writing? Or is it just kind of like part of the whole? I wanted it to be uh, frank, mm-hmm. frank and upfront, and, and people to, to realize from the jump that uh, it's going to be a bit in your face. 
Okay. You know? Yeah. Like, it wasn't a direct influence, but I was thinking of, like, notes on Underground. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just... I was going through the material, and I was like, I'm such a curmudgeon. I'm such a, like, I'm such a, like, a... Not a complainer, but I was just like, I really have this pointed view on things. Like, I, at a certain point, I just got very dissatisfied with with everything. And this is pre-pandemic. I was already dissatisfied. Yeah. And I was expressing my uh, disappointment. So I was just like, I was, I was just thinking about the character in Notes on Underground. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and Rants on Social, if you Google, well, before my book came out, Rants for social media was actually a Googleable term before okay. I came in, came up with the title, so it was actually it comes up in a few news articles, not as a project but as in the general in the body of the text article. Right. So I was just like I feel like it 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 encapsulated what I was trying to do, mm-hmm. and I wanted to honestly, visually and content wise. Uh, present it as it was. Yeah. You know, that was my intention. So. Yeah. Because I, I think, well, I think like... Do you think it's a little self-deprecating maybe? The, the no, word? no, no. Yeah. I, I think people relate to that though. Okay. I think people read rants for social and they like, oh yeah, I know. I know what he's talking about. But I was just curious how you wanted it to um, reflect what the, the, the experience is going to be. You know, if I start flipping through this, like... You know, is that going to be in the back of my head or, you know what I'm saying? It's just like you kind of set the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I haven't really, at this point, like I just got the books. Today is what, Wednesday? Yeah, I think so. I got the book Friday (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, like, I don't think I've gotten to that point yet. Like, I don't think it's sunken in yet, you know. But uh, I'm just accepting all outcomes of the process and like I've given birth to the baby at this baby, and I'm kind of like, whatever happens, happens. Whatever happens. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I don't. Once I get to this point, it's it belongs mm-hmm. to the world. Like I, you know, whoever, you know, if people want to burn it, they can burn it. If they want, you know, yeah. If they want to ignore it, they can ignore. It. Like it's <laughs> just not. It's not my call. You yeah, know what I'm yeah. My job is to produce the work. What other people do with it is it's not my. Mm-hmm. You know. It's up to them. Yeah, yeah, it's up to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you think, like, the, like, uh, I don't want to say what you think, but what do you hope is, like, the ultimate takeaway? Or is there one, or is it, I mean, we're... There's probably several. Because uh-huh. uh, you've said already it might piss some people off, it might paint another portrait, it, you know, and, like, like, you're kind of talking about this book as, like, a self-portrait, right? And it's like, they're going to see all these sides to you, and there's, there's like, everybody wants to pigeonhole you, but you're complex, you know, just like most artists are, you know, or most people are complex. Um, maybe I answered my own question. I don't know. Would, would, is there a takeaway that you... I, yeah, well, the, on the front cover, it's in the small type, it says... A contemporary digital biography. Mm-hmm. I intentionally did not say autobiography. Interesting. I said yeah, yeah. biography. Yeah. Because that is who I am online on social media. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily who I am in IR, IRL right, right. <laughs> in real life. You yeah. Know? But uh, 
I think the takeaway, the main takeaway is to really show people like what is happening, what they're participating in. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's kind of a DIY going back to Andy Warhol. He has like these paintings that are called D- DIY paintings where that are based on those watercolor things with the numbers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did big canvases. So this is a project that anybody can do. Anybody can download all their data and and curate it and put it into a timeline. Anybody can do this book, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But I wanted to show maybe behind you know, behind the curtain of what's actually going on. Because, you know, you've got things like, uh, what's that thing where the messages and disappear, WhatsApp? Or they started where they would, you would oh, send a message yeah. and then it would evaporate. Yeah, yeah, my, my daughter has that. Yeah. I forget, I, so yeah. I really wanted to show how much is being saved, how it sounds in book form as opposed to, when you're on the computer or you're on your phone. And like I was saying, I, I didn't put things in the book because I was like, this is acceptable on on social media, but in as a book, it's too harsh, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to accurately portray what everybody's involved in because now social media is like a public utility. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like 9X. It's, it's, <laughs> it's how we... Keep in contact, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And there's a lot of ramifications about that, you know, politically, mm-hmm. personally. What I, my feeling is I hearken, I remember hearing about what happened when everybody started getting television sets in the 50s. And what happened was all the bridge games stopped. People mm-hmm. stopped going to people's houses People stopped gathering, and everybody was in their house watching TV. Right. Separated from each other Mm -hmm. because they didn't have to entertain each other. It was like in, you know, like um, uh, the Waltons. They'd gather around the piano, you Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So, like, now we have this. We've been all, the entire world has been thrown into the social media world, and there's a lot of ramifications. Like, we're... There are young people that don't make eye contact. There are people, we've gone from the acronyms, H-U-M, hit me up, to now I'm getting texts from young people with a with a eggplant and, a, and a, it's, I'm getting emojis. I'm not even getting words. <laughs> right. I'm not even getting acronyms. I'm getting emojis. And I'm like, what is that? Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. with the eggplant? Yeah, yeah. I know what the eggplant means, by the way. But uh, I don't. Okay, I'm not gonna tell you. It's a family show. (laughs) But uh, I was just like, like it's, it's kind of a breakdown of civilization, uh, dehumanization, Mm -hmm. in a way because yeah, we're getting connected, but like we can't talk to each other anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what's the value of that? You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I'm very humanist. Like I think we need to move towards more human we're moving away from humanism and we need to move towards Mm -hmm. and if it i'm not a luddite like uh i'm the first person to do the new thing on facebook 
I'm the first person to change this, first person. To, right, right. I'm yeah. not anti-technology, yeah. but I am pro-human. Yeah. And so... That's an interesting distinction. You know, like that's... That's... That's like a... That's a complicated idea. But it's a good idea, right? You know, like you're saying, like it's, you know, this is... We've lost the ability to be bored, you know? And then oh, like... yeah, yeah. Where does the boredom... Yeah. Lead us, you know, what B bombarded by, by yeah. information. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I actively have to turn the smartphone off, <laughs> charge it, and I'm like, I am doing this for 30 minutes. I'm taking a nap. Yeah. Or I'm focusing on this. And it's just like, you know, just turning it off. You know? Yeah. So I love the idea that you said that anybody could do this book. Totally, it's yes. Really, yes. It's fascinating to me. Um, but not everyone would. So uh, there's a... That's really brilliant. <laughs> I love that thank idea. You. Thank you, thank you. Um, and the idea of a, you know, a contemporary digital biography. That's really great. Um, so I feel like we have to just get it out there. I mean, where, where can people get this book? All right. Well, it's going to be worldwide uh, in the ebook and print edition. The official release date is July twenty fifth, twenty twenty one. We're having a exclusive pre sale. You can pre order the ebook right now. The ebook dropped, I'd say, a week and a half ago. So you can find it. It's slowly trickling. It's in France right now. It's in Japan. It's I think there's a Dutch version. Uh, it's in English. It's in the English language, but it's on these websites. Uh, so it's trickling out bit by bit. It should be totally worldwide in about another week. And there is an exclusive pre-sale period in June where you can buy either the ebook or the printed or both. Uh, that's going to be available on Bookshop through my exclusive. Uh, printer you know okay so that i'll be promoting that really soon so i would i'll get the word out on that uh but yeah but it'll be totally out by uh mid-july uh and pre-sale in june so cool you know wherever books are sold yeah yeah <laughs> as they say yeah yeah well christian uh, thank you so much thank you it's really thank you justin I, thank you yeah Yeah.